Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of Utah Street South. I am Jared Pinder, once again, joined by Eric Garfield. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm good. I, I, uh, I missed you. It's been a while. We haven't had a show for uh, several weeks, so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about and catch up on. I'm very eager to do it. Yeah, um, we we had the All Star break. We had uh, we had a draft. We had a lot of things go on in between from our last episode to now. So we got a lot of talked about. We got a lot to talk about today, Eric. So I think we're gonna start this by actually talking about something that happened before the All Star break, Eric. Um, the Orioles were in your neck of the woods, so you decided to take a little trip down to the Trop. I did. Uh, it was very fun. I went for two games of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. I went for uh, Friday night and I went for Saturday afternoon, uh, expecting there to be a lot of Oriole fans at Tropicana Field. There kind of were. We were well represented. The Saturday afternoon game was Wander Franco bobblehead day. So it was actually uh, really crowded for Tropicana Field. And we had a clutch comeback win fueled by an Adley Rutschman home run to left field, or pardon me, to right field in a game where I told my friends, I'm sorry he's not starting, but he's a really good pinch hitter and clutch performer already. And he proved me right. So it really was a chance to see even just a, a really minuscule amount uh, the Orioles system doing things at the big league level that are uh, helping the team win. Also, Dean Kramer pitched pretty well against the Rays that, that Saturday afternoon. So really uh, an exciting, exciting experience. I got to see a lot of Oriole fans be happy, a lot of high fives on the road. So I really danced out of the stadium. I'm not a dancer. I danced out of the stadium all the way to my car in the rain in front of my friends on Saturday afternoon. So thanks for asking. It really was. It was awesome. It was better than I even could have expected. Yeah, um, sounds really good. Um, yeah, I wish you, you know, were. Yeah, uh, obviously, I, I I wished it was in a, in a in a little bit of a better ballpark. Obviously, we don't have to get into my thoughts on the trop, but um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it it, it, it is just kind of fun to be a a road a road team to to um, to go on a road to 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 root for your team on the road. Some some people don't exactly like doing it because it's a new environment. For me personally, I kind of like doing it. I I I did it. I went to the trop with my family. My family does vacation in Florida a decent amount in Sarasota. So we did I actually managed to take to go to a game at the trop back in 2017. Didn't like the ballpark that much, but I did like seeing the Orioles. So it's it's a fun it was a fun experience for me as well. It sounds like you had a lot of good time. Obviously, you got to see a very good baseball game, which is yep. just just like the icing on the cake. Sometimes when when you go when you get to go to a to a baseball game, so sometimes you do get a get, get to, sometimes you do get a really good game, but sometimes you can get a stinker. Happy for you that that you did get a really good baseball game. The one they lost on Friday wasn't even a stinker. You know they're in a they're in a ten game winning streak. A lot of their losses were. One of the one run varieties. So Tampa Bay is a good measuring stick to, to see how the system is doing and how they're doing at the major league level. So I like the uh, comparison and I like the uh, competition. There's certainly 
uh, a lot easier to beat for the Orioles than the rookie league Rays are. They're sitting at 24 and nine. So they're pretty tough for the eight and 25, eight and 26 rookie league Orioles to beat. We'll get to that later. Yeah. So I think with that experience at, at the trop, um, let's move on to some, a little bit of minor league baseball. Less. And with and with the um with the 2020 and with the, the season going into the all-star break, we are now officially in the second half of the season. And Eric, what a first half it was for 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 all affiliates. You I really feel like that this might have been the best first half of minor league baseball that we've truly ever seen from the Orioles right now with all the talent coming in with the team playing much better, the major league team being much better. This is, to me, July of 2022 will go down in in history, in Orioles history for me. With the team playing better, with the minor leagues, everybody is doing so well. Like, it's hard to find somebody who's really struggling. And Eric, in your opinion, is this going to be the best season for minor league baseball in, in, in Orioles history? Well, the purpose of the minors is not always to win. It's to get your players better and to prepare them for big league sustained success. So by that measurement, absolutely and overwhelmingly, yes. I'm not, I like to win while learning is occurring and while development is happening. And maybe at that rookie league and Delmarva level, the winning has not come around to be commensurate with the amount of development that's occurring, but the Orioles system, the, the organizational depth chart players are were pretty good in March at minor league spring training, but they're much better now. And I was very confident that was going to happen. So that really is a good question. And yeah, this is the year. I, I'm the one that tweeted at the beginning of the season in March and April, hey, Orioles fans, pay attention. This is going to be the best minor league year of your life. And I was right then, and I'm even more right now. And, hey, we still have a couple months left in the season. Some guys that are getting good <laughs> might end up getting even a little bit better and might end up being able to show it at the big league level. Yeah. Great, great question. Well, speaking of uh, prospects getting better, um, Eric, we have a situation here with, with one of the prospects for, for the Orioles. And yeah. we got to talk about it. Somebody's been been red hot, Eric. We have a certain shortstop who's been insanely red hot right now, who is making a, a decision. He's making a little bit of a, you know, he's making the, the Orioles brass make a little bit of a decision on him. And he's been one of and he's been one of the guys that kind of was a faller in the first half. Uh well, I think. He's a top five prospect. Maybe some would say the best prospect. So number one, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I also said that was going to happen probably as early as like 2019 or early 2020. So I'm not surprised that Gunner is where he is. And I'm not surprised the system has so many guys in that top 100 tier. And from now until this point next year, there, there's going to be a few more. So the system's in a great place, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we are uh, able to observe it and take notes of all the, the many successes. But right now, it looks like Garner truly is the prospect story of 2022. Yeah, 
it's we don't need to talk about Gunnar Henderson anymore. He's he's awesome. You know why he's awesome. Um, but I think with that, I think it's also interesting to see the guys who maybe in the first half didn't have the best years, but are right now, like you mentioned, the improvement at the minor league level every every single day. There, there's if if you do a little bit of improvement, that 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 could be considered a W. But I think that if there's one guy that's really impressed me with how much he's improved, it it would really be from a from from a month to month perspective, it would be Joey Ortiz, the shortstop for the Bowie Bay Sox. Obviously, we know about the defensive profile, but you know he just wasn't hitting all that well. So like it made it really tough to see like maybe how he really fit into a long-term plan with the Orioles. But now that he's hitting really well, you know, like not only am I just happy because now we get to have a bit more clear idea about like where he might fit, but now I'm just happy for the person because he's figured out a way to get out of the slump, which is something you all, you, you just always want to see. Yep. Sign of, of being able to beat adversity. You're right. Uh, and it's ironic because in our last show, He's the one player that I noticed was really underachieving and it let me down relative to my expectations. His batting average by month for the season, April 188, May 227, June 200. July, after I caught him out, 360 with a 920 OPS. So he's getting extra base hits, he's driving in runs, and he's getting on base in July. And, and you said it, he's showing that he can not let a streak overwhelm him and, and ruin his season. He's at least going to have one good month in, in, in this year, and it's July. Hopefully he can keep the ball rolling, not a baseball pun, because he does seem like a good person and a, and, and, and a well-rounded contributor, offense and defense. So uh, good point, Jared. And I guess like, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, I call guys out and they turn it around or anything like that. But it's just interesting to me that I noticed how poorly he was doing. And now everybody should notice how, how positively he's doing. Yeah, we can be happy for his turnaround. Totally. No, we're, we're not. We're not here. We're not here to, a, to, to we're not we're not here to, to attack people. If, if the dude, if the dude plays, plays really well, you know what? Good for him. You know right, what? He made he made us. He made us look like idiots. Congrats. You know, that's. That's. I, I. I think I said on one of the first episodes, like you know, like make me look like an idiot. If I call you out and, and, I, and I say something, you know, it's like make me look like an idiot. Okay, All right. We can so, handle that. All right. Yeah. So obviously, good. Good for Joey improving. Um. But speaking of uh, shortstops, Eric. Um. This the main thing for me that I was focused on during the All Star break was not the all-star game or the futures game eric it was the the 2022 mlb draft yeah i spent a lot of time yep. scouting i was worried on 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 draft night i was sweating buckets i didn't know what was going to happen i'll give the orioles credit they know how to make me they know how to make me sweat unlike any other <laughs> professional franchise in the league no other professional franchise makes me sweat the way the orioles do I wish we had an applause soundtrack. I would play it for them right now. Like, good job. Or yes. <laughs> like, but it, it was last minute. They said they 
all the reports were coming in said it was going to be a last minute decision. We didn't know what was going to happen. The mock drafts, even up to the hour, had since said we had no idea what was going to happen. It turned out the Orioles went with their best player on the board, did something that I said that on draft day, I said, I woke up and I said, I don't care what happens tonight. I don't care who it is. As long as it's their best player on the board and we don't take a true money saver like a Kevin Parada or a Jacob Berry, I was going to be happy. And I sucked my word. I am very happy with the Orioles' first pick, Jackson Holiday. He was their best player on the board. I'm happy he's a high schooler who has a lot of baseball left in front of him. I think his best days are in front of him. I think that I really do think that he hasn't peaked. I don't think he's – I think that that the swing change with a slight sling, swing adjustment has really allowed him to get to his power more. I think he's gotten stronger with the, with just getting older and starting to feel more into his his body. I mean, I'm like, have you seen his dad? He's, it, it, Matt Holiday's humongous. This kid's going to be huge. This kid's got a, got a lot of growing to go in that, in that, in that slender body. And no, more importantly, I said to my – to my family who who would just listen to me on talk on draft night. Um, I said, look, I didn't really want a college player. We're at the point with this, with this rebuild where we're starting to lose a little bit of talent at the top. We, we graduated Adley. We could have graduated Grayson if he, if he wasn't, if he was, if, if he was healthy, we're, we're, we should be graduating some talent in the next year or two. We're going to be in a situation where the farm system might not look as good as it did maybe a year or two ago. And we're not going to be in a situation where, where we're going to be able to restock the, restock the, the, the farm system through drafts and high picks because we're playing a lot better now. So we needed to get the first pick right. And mainly I won a high schooler. Tamar, Jackson Holiday, Drew Jones, Elijah Green, either four of them I would have been happy with. I'm happy with Jackson Holiday. Yeah, me too. But how, how surprised were you when he was taken, even though that list is really not that deep? I mean, I was, I was, I was truly shocked when that was the name that I heard come out of the commissioner's mouth but not shocked with dismay at all. Really kind of shocked with, with pleasure. Like, oh, that's the direction it's going to go. I, can't, I cannot wait to, to see it. And, and, you know, like anyone else, I'm going to be the first person to see it when, when he passes his physical and comes to Sarasota and plays in the rookie leagues, which should be in the next couple of days. So uh, Jackson Holiday, I've seen him play. I've seen yeah. him perform. I've seen him have long, intelligent at-bats, which kind of like belie the veteran-type skills for a uh, – a 17-year-old player. This was at a perfect game, Woodbat tournament last year. Um, he was on Scorpions, uh, Giants scout slash Giants scout team. So a lot, a lot of positives. Uh, you and I are really very much aligned in this. We would have only been upset if it was Jacob Berry. Almost anyone else, we would have found a way to justify the pick or 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 support them. If it was Jacob Berry, you'd be mad and upset. And if it was Jacob Berry, I'd be both mad and upset also. So really we, we, we got a, we both got a big win, but I think it's going to be more than just like the, the lowest case scenario. Jackson holiday is already slotting in at very high prospect rank. So he's a good baseball player. He's a talented baseball player. Also in physical build, he's more like the mom. There's a younger brother, Ethan holiday, 
and he's taller than Jackson. So he's probably going to end up being built more like Matt, big butt, big shoulders, big back, big head. So we'll, we'll see how Jackson grows. He might be a little bit like not oversized like Matt, but again, my phone will be ready to take video and take pictures as soon as they report to Sarasota. Yeah. Um, in terms of just comparing Jackson to Matt, I don't think the comparison is really going to be there. I think Matt Holiday was a little bit of a different player. I think Jackson Holiday was. Holiday You're came right. up. Holiday came up with with Colorado Rockies as a, as a huge power hitter, as right. a guy that could just hit 40, 50, 30 home runs a year. I don't think Holiday Jackson's ever going to be that kind of player. I think he's going to be much more much more of a contact hitter than his dad was. I don't think he'll ever really reach the power heights. Um, scouting reports really call him more of a gap to gap hitter, which I think some fans will take as a negative. I don't think as a negative. I no think way. It's more of a, I think it's more of a compliment than anything. I don't think right. he's selling out for his power. I think there were some prospects in this in this um, draft that were starting to really sell out for their power because maybe they they didn't really have enough of it. Holiday hits the ball hits the ball very hard, Eric. He's not yep. he doesn't have to sell out for the power. I think that you know we'll see if he sticks at shortstop. Obviously, the Orioles have a load loaded or loaded to the brink of with shortstop prospects. A- any which one of them. You know, five years ago, any which one of them would have been would have been the Orioles' future shortstop. Now, it's a little bit it's a little bit more tricky to figure out exactly where all these guys fit into, and and maybe we shouldn't even be doing this in general. But at the end of the day, the Orioles took the best player on the board for them. I cannot complain. I straight up, I said to myself on on that draft night, I said I'm not going to complain if it's one of these high school kids. I can't. Like they were all in a cluster. Did I have Drew Jones slightly higher? Yes, but I still had Holiday as that firm number two guy. And it, and there was a shot, and there was a little bit of a case I could see. You know what? Holiday is seriously slept on. I thought Holiday was slept on by the media. I think people weren't giving his respect. Weren't talking about the swing change. Weren't talking about how good of a hitter the, the the dude was. How athletic he was. I think he was a seriously underrated prospect, and I think, and I think that, you know, I, I think it's an excellent pick. Um, Holiday is is I think Holiday is going to going to be a great player for the Orioles. The cop that I like the most was I, I forgot who it was. I think it was someone who had known him and his family for a long time that was like, this guy started being good at baseball and the baseball movements when he was three years old, like Tiger Woods being good at golf with the golf movements. That's, you know, you said he was slept on. That's a storyline that if anyone caught on to that would make for a, a, a great series of stories. Like maybe this guy really is a true baseball prodigy. If, if yes, then, you know, again, like I said, it's going to work out for, for Oriole fans. Overall, the draft was really the positive talent acquisition event that we always thought it was going to be. We just didn't get, we didn't get the names right when we were speculating. But overall, Dylan Beavers, Judd Fabian, the seven-foot pitcher named Beck. You know, it's a, pretty, it's a pretty solid and diverse draft class. So I can't wait to see what happens when they get with, a, with the, the sports best player development system and some skills begin to be built next year, March, February, Twin Lakes, minor league spring training. 
every Orioles fan should be there. I know I'll probably be the only one in a few parents, but it's going to be super exciting with the names that we just drafted. Yes, and again, I, I say it every episode, but I'm telling you what, if you want to know more about these about these prospects, if you if you are a person who didn't feel like that the national media or anybody else you followed on Twitter or, or, or whoever you listened to didn't didn't give these these guys enough praise, or if there was a guy you really liked who you couldn't find a lot about, you need to follow Eric's Twitter at, at Eric underscore Birdland. He's going to be out there with these prospects. Like he mentioned, he's going to be one of the first people we're going to see these guys in uniform playing. And, 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 and you need to start following him. If you feel like that, 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 that injustice has been done on you, the fact that, or whoever you listen to, <laughs> whoever like you did, didn't give you enough information on, on a certain prospect you liked that the Orioles drafted, follow Eric Birdland on Twitter. He's, and there's a really good shot that he's going to, that, that, that he's going to show you something that, that, that's really going to either sway you in, in, in a way that you, that, 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 that you either like the prospect that you didn't like, or he's just going to affirm your opinion. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And uh, with that being said, I'm going to give a very unique perspective on a prospect that doesn't make me feel good to say. And most Oriole fans, uh, what they think about this player is, is incorrect. And this is part of uh, watching baseball really closely that I have to say, Jared, I really don't like. But what do you think about, like, the Orioles shortstop prospect, uh, Michael Hernandez? Or what have you read or what have you heard about him? Oh, Michael Hernandez. I have read that he's a very tall, lanky shortstop that can really get under the ball really well. He hits the ball insanely hard. Said that scouts, I think, said that there was a shot that he could have stuck at shortstop, but most likely would move to third base. Um, I remember Baseball America, when we signed him, compared him to Manny Machado, my favorite player of all time. So, yeah, obviously, I was hyped at the time. But, Eric, I feel like that you might have a different opinion on Michael Hernandez. Yeah, I do. And, and I guess – like I said, this does not make me feel good or positive to report in any way. Uh, he is not having a good season. He is, in some instances, costing his team the potential to have a big inning or end a big inning for the other team, which at the rookie league level is, I'm not going to say unacceptable, but you need to learn from it so it doesn't get repeated. And sometimes it's getting repeated. Uh, his counting stats are very, very poor. He's not impacting the ball hard. He's not touching it. And worse than all of these things, he's demonstrating apathy. Like he doesn't care that these things are happening. I only know this and I only notice it because I go to these games where no one else attends. So his average is bad. It's in the 100s. Uh, his coaches are still putting him in the lineup. First and second, he's just not getting it done at the plate. So don't be surprised if he has to restart the FCL next year and not advance. And other people like Fred Ben Cosme or people that were just drafted last week might pass him rather quickly. I guess my message is don't be surprised that, that Michael is, is underachieving. When it comes to playing the field, 
He's not bad. He can transition and he has a good transfer, but he doesn't show good range to either side. He is kind of tall, not super tall, maybe six, two and a half, six, three. He's growing into his body. So we'll give him time to adjust to that. But he's the kind of guy who hits what looks like a double deep into the left field wall. And it always ends up with a single because he's just not, not hustling. And he's also not that fast. So I don't want to get into it and make it sound like a Michael bitch session, which it's not. His development is not going as well as the team expected, which is kind of a surprise because almost everybody else's is. So just something that I'm starting to notice more and more. I thought about mentioning this on previous shows and I'm waiting for an impact moment or I'm waiting for something big to happen and it's, it, it's yet to happen. So Thank you for asking me and giving me an opportunity to open up about this. I'm going to say one more time, I love the Orioles and it does not make me very proud to report when someone is doing not good, but he's really not having a good 2022. And if you look at his MILB page, he's yet to get it started as a professional. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's tough because obviously I think this, this kid does have a lot of potential. But, you know, I think, obviously, I think we are new to the international draft, but sometimes this is why international prospects can be a little bit risky. You know, yep. at the end of the day, this is a, we also have to understand is that Michael Hernandez is a kid. He's yep. 18, 17 18. years old. He's yep. 18 years old. And this is why. I think international prospects are very risky. You know, you're not getting a Jason Dominguez every single, every single time. You know, you're not getting a Wander Franco or a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. every single time. Sometimes you have to trust your development system and trust that you can teach this, teach these prospects, you know, how to play, you know, baseball at a professional level, how to get their swings a little bit better. And I think it has worked out for some, for some, a lot of prospects. And I don't think that focusing on, Hernandez's struggles, you know, and, and without talking about the good, I think is, is yep. not. It's, it, it's hard for me. It really is. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't like doing it that way. I don't, but I and, feel bad if our audience and our listeners and Oriole fans did not know what, what I know. So you're right. Yeah. And it makes it feel any better. You know, the guy that was signed for just about the same amount of money as him in his same draft class, Samuel Basayo. Hey, hey, <laughs> hold it. Hey, he, I mean, awesome. we don't have to get into it, but in short, he's kicking ass every single day. <laughs> yeah, he's Basayo is is really doing well. Pence Cosme is doing very well. There's a lot of yep. other names down there yep. who's doing very well, including Eric. I'm gonna let you talk about. Uh, another guy who's underrated, Jalen Guerrero. Is he? Uh, he has really adjusted a, a lot faster. I think a lot of fans would have really expected. Yeah, in, in, including me. Um, he's a little bit older than uh, most of the the population in in the uh, rookie league. He's already. 22 I believe yeah he's he's already 22 but uh he had his best outing yesterday Saturday uh uh, five innings against the Pirates who are kind of hot and he had five strikeouts and he's been improving I guess there's not a lot of dependable pitching 
Davy Cruz moved up. We talked about it. Miguel Padilla moved up. We talked about it. They're doing great there. Uh, piggybacking and getting a lot of strikeouts per nine. So really, there's not uh, a lot of dependable pitching here right now, which makes me think that a lot of the pitchers recently drafted are going to start getting their innings mixed in really soon. But for what's left, righty Harleen Guerrero is doing okay for right now. And don't be shocked if he moves to Delmarva before the end of this season. He's Like I said, he's already 22 years old. So I, I like to share some names that are doing well and aren't extremely popular. Uh, righty Harleen Guerrero is doing his thing right now in Sarasota. Yeah, really, really cool story of another underrated guy, you know, right. kind of just, just adjusting. And it shows that development is not always linear, Eric. It's not oh. a straight line. It's not it's a straight not. line. It's not. You know, the you know you don't you don't get Gunnar Henderson's with guys that, that just that immediately jump like as soon as they're they're in a system. Sometimes it can take a little bit a little bit longer. Whether that's due to injuries, like we've seen with a guy like like Heston Kierstad. Gurley yep. was very talented, but just had such a had, had a little bit of a tough time getting on the field. Whether it's dealing with struggles early on in their careers, like like a guy like a Colton Kowser had to do, and now he's killing it. Development is never linear. If there's one message that I think this whole entire podcast should, should, should be about is that development is never linear. And if a, if a top prospect is going to disappoint a little bit, you know, don't go, go too crazy on calling them bust. Like, it's like, like, I think you could find a story around like just every other like team of a guy that like that was kind of considered a bust but now it's just like he's just and now like they're they're getting better so development is never linear and and maybe a guy like michael hernandez figures it out next year maybe he does get maybe he does get his get 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 a maybe he does really start to figure it out maybe he does like understand that like this is professional baseball you need to you need to always hustle. You need to understand about like the game. Maybe that maybe that that does happen. Obviously, gonna, we have been wrong before, and, right. and and we will continue to be wrong probably. If Michael Hernandez gets passed by Stanford defensive specialist, ninth round draft pick Adam Crampton next year, we're, we we can close the book. So I I hope what you what you said happens too. But that'll be another indicator. If everybody is passing this dude in traffic. He's just not going to be able to accelerate and get up to get up to speed. Now, you and I have done a great job so far of talking about some good, some bad things. I guess we've kind of like held it in. Now, let's not do that. There is something that is beginning to get under our skin and bother us in a big way. And we're representative of the of the Orioles fan population. I think all of us are really asking the same question today. Now that it was announced who the, te- who the starters are against the Rays and D.L. Hall was not one of them, it does appear that Hall is going to stay at AAA and keep getting 15, 16 strikeouts per nine and keep getting weird and divergent pitch counts per appearance. So, Jared, let's just start it off. How do you feel about D.L. Hall not being up with a big club, and why do you think that is? The floor is yours. 
Right now, I'm watching Jared has his hands in his face and he's not ready to answer. He hasn't taken. Um, yet I'm, to I'm ready. Take a deep I'm ready. To, ready okay, to answer. Ahead. I'm just trying to get, get get my thoughts. Okay, here's the thing. Um, when I heard that Theo Hall had gotten taken out of his first uh, of the first inning in that game the other day, I was absolutely heartbroken. For 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 the for the 15 minutes that we didn't know what what was happening, I thought I thought the worst. I thought that he blown his elbow. I thought that the Orioles had wasted potentially wasted this 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 kid's time by not bringing him up, and now he had hurt his elbow. And maybe that was just me overreacting to a situation. Maybe it's a little bit of PTSD of what happened with Grayson earlier this year because I was totally so, reasonable. I, I I have not recovered from, from the Grayson Rodriguez situation. It will it will be a situation that will always haunt me in the back of my head. That every time I see a starter go out of a, of a game early, I'm going to have I'm going to to just be worried about it. But my heart sank knowing the possibility that Dio Hall could be gone for a long period of time, and the Orioles, and he hadn't even made the Orioles. Not because of anything that he had done. Not because he he was he was struggling. Not because he was pitching bad. But because the Orioles didn't give him a fair shot. That's I think what is so frustrating about the situation is that I'm not saying this is actually happening, but from a fan's perspective, when we don't have reasons to think otherwise, and we have been wondering what's going on. We we put our our flag in the stake of a ground yeah. that 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 Dio Hall should be brought up a couple like three weeks ago, and now it looks like that Dio Hall might not even make the team until after until September. So obviously yeah. we're going to be a little bit frustrated. But Eric, to be honest with you, I don't know. I have tried to open this with an look at this with an open mind Me i have too. tried to say well you know what you know they're smarter than i do they have reasons they have numbers i don't know what it is and i'll say this right now if your excuse is that the walks are still not down to where to where a point well my brother they ain't never going to get down there they, <laughs> it's like it's like it's like trying to it's like trying to tell javier Baez to to get his walk rate up my, my dude, it ain't never gonna happen. Right. So it just it's just so frustrating. And it, it's frustrating, and that's just my my overall take on it. And I wish I had a better answer, Eric. I don't know. Right. I right. That's 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 the problem. That's where we all are. We're all kind of at a loss. So that makes me take an even further step back and think to myself, well, maybe the Orioles have a very specific plan for him in 2022. And they're not telling us, and it doesn't include quote unquote being competitive. It only includes him being healthy. If that's the case, it's a little weak, but that's the only justification for why his talent is right now in AAA on a AAA roster facing AAA hitters. Again, no insult to that population whatsoever. We believe him to be better, and he's demonstrating that he's ready for the, the next step up, you and I are representative of the group 
that has absolutely no answer or no rationale for why he hasn't. Most of it, 2022, fans can find out answers to problems pretty easily or, or issues pretty easily. This is not clear right now. So to me, maybe everything and everyone is wrong and they don't even want him competing. They just want him starting and finishing healthy. Again, if that's the case, I vehemently disagree with it, but I cannot think of a reason when your, your true number one talent who is healthy and is left-handed is not being utilized at the major league level. I am also as frustrated as you, and I thought that this would be cleaned up weeks ago. It appears that it's not. Yeah, I have yeah. nothing else to say. So I think with that, Eric, um, I think I think we're, we're going to let these guys go. Yeah. All right. With that, thank you for listening. And and we will see you next time. But the next episode of Utah Street Report.